Dismantle me. We're here. It's pretty queer today. <laughs> Why don't you introduce our guests? Okay, I'll 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 do that. We are joined today with a very good friend of mine and a Courtney, what would you say, aficionado? Mm. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I agree. <laughs> uh, Drew Ariola Sands, who you may or may not know, and if you don't know, you will know by the end of this pod uh la punk band trap girl hi drew hi you guys thanks for having me thanks for coming we're so excited to have a courtney love expert well i'm not an expert i'm a fan okay. <laughs> a girl. i mean you're more of a fan or expert than either of us yeah. are I think. well you got y'all true. know a lot i'm telling you i was shocked with those uh that first episode yeah. a lot of info there <laughs> Yeah. Well, like Hannah well said, uh, yeah, on the first episode, we really broke our backs. I love that. I, I can't forget <laughs> Courtney that. blew out your back. <laughs> she blew out her back. <laughs> She's been known to do that. <laughs> yeah, so how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, it's hot, <laughs> but... I think it's because everyone in the room in here is actually hot. Like, we're just hot people, I think. That's true. Smoking. <laughs> How are you, Drew? I'm doing good. I'm working every day, losing my mind, but here I am with you. You're living the American dream. Yes. <laughs> and how Thank are you, Paul? I am good. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Much appreciated. I did the therapy today, and I'm starting to realize that I think I might be at the point where I don't need therapy for maybe the time being we'll see you're graduating i'm graduating i'm cutting the dosage off yeah it's been good it's i i don't know i could complain about a lot in therapy but it's just like what the world sucks like blah 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 <laughs> i don't know not quite close. Very close. Sounds like it. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, thanks. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> Show off. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, we're living the American dream, aka the American nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a ruse. <laughs> yeah. It's too depressing to really even comment on further. Yeah, there's no point in elaborating on that any further. <laughs> we all know what we're, what we're talking about. Yeah, we're all in the mess, this mess together. Yeah. We're all in the same simulation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, I'm really excited to have Drew on today. We are going to finish off from where we left off on the last episode, which we were talking about how... Courtney got into a business deal with Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl of Nirvana to essentially figure out what to do with the business dealings of Nirvana. And before that even ended up coming through fruition, Courtney uh, came in with a lawsuit to dissolve the deal because she felt that her and Francis were the rightful people to decide what to do with anything Nirvana related. And then this kind of starts a 
bit of a spiral for Courtney Love in her personal life and also in her professional life. Mm-hmm. She's doing really well. Um, she is coming off of Celebrity Skin. She hasn't had a new album yet, but she has been uh, stage diving, flashing crowds, and getting into fights with her own audience members. Yeah. Should I just dive right into it? Yeah. All right. So now we're in the early aughts, which was my favorite time for music. I loved Electro Clash. (laughs) I feel like Drew and I could like go crazy for that for a second, but we're not. And Courtney wasn't really part of the early 2000s as far as albums. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of films. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. So here we are. In February 2003, Courtney was arrested at Heathrow Airport, which is in the UK, for disrupting a flight and was banned from Virgin Airlines. Mm. And then in October of that same year, she was arrested in LA after breaking several windows of her producer and then boyfriend James Barber's home and was charged with being under the influence of a controlled substance. And this ended up resulting in her temporarily losing custody of Francis. And then, Um, oh, sorry. There's another, I don't know what, well, this is 2003, and I know Courtney lost, or I read that Courtney lost custody of of Kansas. (laughs) She had the state of Kansas? (laughs) She lost custody of Francis. Um, I'm trying to locate what the time was, but Francis, and if you guys have heard the story, let me know. Uh, she claimed that Courtney Love like killed her pets. Oh have my you, gosh. Have you heard this story? No. I haven't heard this. That I guess like uh, Francis said that Courtney was a hoarder and some of her cats were like killed by Courtney's like Courtney. stuff. And like it kind of fell on the cats oh or like gosh. something happened. And I think one of the dogs, too. Oh, one of the dogs accidentally ate, like, Courtney's pill stash and it ended up dying. Yikes. So um, Francis grabbed their last dog. And I think this all happened in the span of, like, I don't know, like, a few days or, like, a week or something. Oh, because wow. Francis says she just grabbed, like, the last living pet and like ran away to like her grandma's house or something oh, wow. like that. And that was another time that Courtney lost custody of Francis. So Wow. Just a fun little <laughs> fun little story. tidbit. Wow. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then so after that Hole had broken up and then Courtney started composing material with songwriter Linda Perry. And she did, you know, Hole did have when the final release uh, in the early 2000s, they mm-hmm. did a song for Any Given Sunday, and that song was from 2002. Oh. And it was called Be a Man. How funny. And it was a really great song. <laughs> it was probably the only output of music Courtney did from, like, 99 to 2003. Interesting. Wow. Was this um, single for Any Given Sunday. And... It's a really great song. It's actually really heavy. Okay. Like, kind of like metal-y, kind of. Okay. Um, and in the video, she is being tackled by football players <laughs> in, the, in the rain. Oh, I would love that. And I was going to say, that's the football movie, right? And she yeah. gets naked. Oh. She gets naked, and she's covered in mud and water, and guys are tackling themselves in the background. It's a pretty amazing 
video. She's literally living my dream in that video. <laughs> so that musically, that's probably the only output from that time. Um, wow. And then 2002 also had my favorite film of hers. Which one? Trapped. Oh, we talked about that Did one you? in the last okay. one, the one with Kevin Bacon yeah, and Shirley. So that's my favorite of hers. Apparently, it was like a flop. It was a huge flop, but it was presented as, you know, an like an a glossy, pretty, expensive action film, and she was put in the ranks there with Kevin Bacon and mm-hmm. Charlie Theron, and she was the <laughs> villain, and she was just awesome in that. I was gonna so. say, is she a good villain? She's a great villain. I think she would be. She really would be. And she's, you know, a mess. And she's like a bitch. And she's she's welling a gun around. And she's great in that film. I need to rewatch that. It's been probably more than 10 years since I've seen Trapped. And from what I remember, it's my favorite Courtney performance. Because she's not the the main character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, okay. Good to know. Yeah, so then, let's see. She started recording her solo debut album, which was called America's Sweetheart, in France. And Virgin Records released that album in February 2004 with mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charlie Aaron of Spin called it... Her solo album. Yes, her solo album. Charlie Aaron of Spin called it a jaw-dropping act of artistic will and a fiery proper follow-up to 1994's Live Through This and awarded it 8 out of 10, while Amy Phillips of The Village Voice wrote, Courtney's willing to act out the dream of every teenage brat who ever wanted to have a glamorous, high-profile hissy fit, and she turns those egocentric, nervous breakdowns into art. Sure, the art becomes less compelling when you've been pulling the same stunts for a decade, but honestly, is there anybody out there who fucks up better? (laughs) That's like a backhanded compliment. (laughs) Well, I have a special place in my heart for Courtney's solo album, America's Sweetheart. I think it's a masterpiece. There's a few funny stories about it. She, there's a song, a few songs on there. So this is what Courtney, Courtney said this is, um, I remember her saying, that this was her attempt of being Janis Joplin oh. with this solo album. And she um, has a song on the album called Life Despite God. And okay. she said that was her impression of a Janis Joplin song. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> and it's probably my least favorite from the album. Really? Only <laughs> because it is Janis Joplin. It's not Courtney Love. Yeah, like I was she's gonna say. it's a total impression. Like it's, it's not even impression. like it's yeah. Her, it's Courtney Love's take on what like Janis Joplin would sound in two thousand four. Mm. Okay. Okay. And okay. and there is a yeah, there's a lot of great songs like Almost Golden is a beautiful Courtney standard that you could put it with like doll parts. Interesting. Yeah. There's like um there's but julian i'm a little bit older than you which she wrote it's about the singer of the strokes i was gonna say oh my gosh how funny so she says lines like i'm touching your limousine things like that it's a very fun funny song like his dick (laughs) (laughs) maybe the limousine is his dick i'm not sure maybe it is but there's there's really beautiful songs like hold on to me is like you know a classic sunset strip is beautiful. All these songs, looking at the titles now in front of me, 
it makes me want to listen to it. I so want to listen to that might tonight. Have to, I know. We might have too. to drive home and listen oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, we will. We it, will. It's, it's a, and then there's a song called I'll Do Anything, which is probably Courtney at her most sexual. Interesting. Because mm. she says, um, give me white boy skin. Give me big black men. Give me ice cream on my birthday. Baby, do it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how I remember that. My muscle memory <laughs> is on point. I have some great muscle memory, y'all. I don't know how I, re- I haven't heard this album in years. Yeah, so that I don't know throat how- got great muscle memory. Yes. <laughs> so I remember those those lyrics. So that, I love that lyric um, from that song, I'll Do Anything, because she's at her most sassiest and her most sexual. And... Mm-hmm. You get some really great songs on this album, and yeah. I feel like it's overlooked. The production is not as glossy, even as not as glossy as "Live Through This." Not like this their first com- album, like "Pretty on the Inside." No, it's not. Well, "Pretty on the Inside" is a whole other category. Yeah, that is a noise art. Album. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That's a noise art album. Yeah. It's supposed to be that way. Found footage of it. Found footage was an album. That that's what. <laughs> so I love that. So the, the thing about America's <laughs> America's Sweetheart is it's very. Um, I wouldn't say lo-fi, but it's your basic rock album. There's no like something like a garage rock band yes, today would release. No frills. Yeah. It's okay. not glamorous. It's not shiny like Celebrity Skin. So it's just mm-hmm. it's Courtney at her core. Yeah, and it's a great album. I love it. Um, and it sucks that no one really cares about it. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I, I had never even heard about it until doing the yeah. research there for was, this. Um, I think there was one single off of it, which was Mono, and a video made from it. And the video is like a high-budget David LaChapelle-looking video oh. with fairies and her looking glamorous and by herself. And, her, and it, it's, a, it's an amazing video that fits right there with Celebrity Skins videos. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did spend their money on a big glamorous video, but they stopped there because it just it was it was a flop. Yeah, right here. So going further, it says that the album sold fewer than a hundred thousand copies, <gasps> which Ouch. is kind of it surprises <clears throat> me, considering how, how much famous she is. Yeah, at this point, yeah. And then that Courtney said that she later expressed regret over the record, blaming her drug problems at the time. And she did have um, a drug problem there, which yes. was something that she didn't have. Um, well, we're laying it all on the table now. She had a cocaine addiction. Yeah. In two thousand four, so it was it was kind of dominating her life. Yeah, oh, and wow. and um, she did get clean off of it, but unfortunately, she had this this terrible cocaine addiction while this album was being made, released, and promoted. Yeah. So it was not her, her whole self wasn't in it. I should take her own. I should take her. I should take my own advice. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> well, okay. So what we get into next kind of dives into essentially what you just said. So that same year, um, oh no, in two thousand four of March, she appeared on the Late Show with David Letterman to promote America's Sweetheart, and that appearance drew a lot of media coverage because she ended up like flashing herself to David Letterman and was like standing on his desk and the New York Times reported she was very belligerent she was mm-hmm. being belligerent New York Times said the episode was not altogether surprising for Miss Love whose most public moments have veered from extreme pathos like the time she read the suicide note of her famous husband Kurt Cobain on MTV to angry fem- feminism to catfights to incoherent ranting and then hours later 
uh, after that night, after that taping, in the early morning of the next day, she was arrested in Manhattan for allegedly striking a fan with a microphone stand during a small concert in the East Village. Mm. And she ended up being released a few hours later so that she could uh, perform that same night at the Bowery Ballroom. Mm. And then four days later, she called in multiple times to the Howard Stern show, claiming in broadcast conversations with Howard that the incident had not occurred and that Natasha Leone, who was at the concert, <laughs> was told by alleged victim that he had been paid $10,000 to file a false claim leading to her arrest. Wow. A lot of um, trouble around this time. Yeah. yeah. A lot of trouble. Um Again, maybe fueled by her addiction at the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I remember seeing photos of her at like a Wendy's picking up food and allowing a homeless man to suck on her breast. Oh my gosh. What? And she let uh, the, the paparazzi just take pictures of it. Yikes. Oh my God. I don't that was that. definitely not in the Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, definitely a low point. <laughs> That's rock bot. That's that like Kate Winslet in the holiday after she tries to kill herself in the <laughs> oven and then she sticks her head out the window. She's like, There's no, no point. point. No, no point. point. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, oh, my God. I'm going to Google that right now. Yeah. And then so in Ju- <gasps> on July 9th, Google it. 2004, <laughs> which was her 40th birthday, she was arrested for failing to make a court appearance for the March 2004 charges and taken to Bellevue Hospital. Uh, where she, she was, was allegedly incoherent, where she was placed on a 72-hour watch. And according to police, she was believed to be a potential danger to herself, but deemed mentally sound and released to a rehab facility two days later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And during all of this, uh, Margaret Cho came out and published an opinion piece saying, Courtney deserves better from feminists arguing that negative associations of love with her drug and personal problems, including from feminists, overshadowed her music and well-being. Which, yeah, like, of course. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, like, I remember the David Letterman stuff, but I didn't know that she was there to, like, promote an album. Yeah. You know, but as a kid, I just remember her behavior and just, like, how the media portrayed it. She was wilding out. She was wilding out. Yeah. And, and I didn't realize until I reread this that she was actually there to promote an album. Yeah, so. for America's Sweetheart. Which I don't think she did a very good job of mm. promoting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Ask me. I'm just taking a little <laughs> guess there. Um, yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> and then in October of 2004, she pleaded guilty to disorder disorderly conduct for the incident in the East Village and then in 2000... the second time she's like hit a fan, right? Yeah, 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 because she hit teenagers. Mm -hmm. I've hit hit fans many, (laughs) many times. You hit me every single time we meet up. (laughs) Shut up, bitch. (laughs) Just backhand me. Wow, I, I gotta give it to Courtney just twice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> She's a good girl. The self control. The nun. Courtney, the nun. Mother Teresa. Oh my gosh. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, and then in August of 2005, she appeared as at a. At, she appeared as a roaster on the Comedy Central roast of Pamela Anderson. And she apparently appeared to be intoxicated and just like 
a total hot mess, which attracted even more attention. And one review said that she acted as if she belonged in an institution, which is... So can I say something about that yeah. roast? Yeah. So um, what's funny, a lot. it's so funny she did that roast and it's gone down in history, mostly because of her, but she gained a lot of weight before you know during that filming because she was in and out of rehab and mm. claimed to had a year being sober when she was at the at the roast she kept screaming and yelling it i've been clo- i've been clean and sober for a year i've been clean and sober for a year mm-hmm. um well she ended up she did end up uh bring they did bring this uh roast up years later to her and she said <laughs> that she was not in her right mind she had turned down an interview with Barbara Walters and Oprah, but did not turn down this. Oh, interesting! Because to her, the roast of Pamela Anderson was way cooler and more punk rock than <laughs> Oprah. I mean, Pamela. I agree. I one hundred percent agree. So, <laughs> if it was between was... being on Oprah or the roast of Pamela Anderson, best believe yeah. I'd be on the roast of Pamela Anderson. And it sounds you, like a better time. And if you watch the roast now, um, what? Almost twenty years later, oh, two thousand five. So well, about fifteen yeah, years, well, almost, almost tw- fifteen fuck. years later, you, you realize that it's basically the roast of Courtney. Love. She was not well. Mm-hmm. Like um, they were all taking shots. Like all the comedians, they yeah, were taking but, shots but at Courtney, her. yeah, and then Courtney made herself the center of attention because mm. she was being Courtney, you know. And it's, um, I don't think she was um, belligerent that day. I feel like she was being herself. Mm. She's a punk. Yeah, and she likes to be loud. She likes well, she's to be crazy. Unfiltered. She's unfiltered, and and it's funny because Anna Nicole Smith was in the audience too. Oh my gosh! Oh. Right, damn. So it was a pretty. Um, Which she might be the topic of our next one. Oh my god! Wow. Which you, which she might be. A guest again. Ooh, I would, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so six days after the roast broadcasted. She was sentenced to a 28-day lockdown rehab program for being under the influence and violating her probation. And to avoid jail time, she accepted an additional 180-day rehab sentence in September of 2005. And then in November of that year, after completing the program, she was discharged from the rehab center under the provision that she complete further outpatient rehab. And then in interviews that followed that, she had... She said that she had been addicted to substances, including prescription drugs, cocaine, and crack cocaine. She had said she had been sober since completing rehab in 2007 and cited her Soka Gakkai Buddhist practice, which she began in 1988, apparently, as an integral part to her sobriety. And good for her. Yeah, right? Good for her. Yeah. Wow. In the middle of all her legal troubles... She had endeavors in writing and publishing. She co-wrote a semi-autobiographical manga, Princess I, with Stu Levy, illustrated by Misho Kuhiradu and Ozzy Yazawa. And it was released in three volumes in the U.S. and Japan between 2004 and 2006. It looks super cool. Like, the art and everything is really pretty. I really sold an action figure. Really? Oh. Yeah. Of her? Of that character. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. And which was designed by her. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. And then cool. in 2006, she published a memoir, Dirty Blonde, which mm-hmm. Drew brought, you brought that with you today, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And at this time, she started recording her second solo album, 
titled How Dirty Girls Get Clean, collaborating again with Pumpkinhead Bitch, <laughs> Billy Corgan. <laughs> and Linda Perry. Yeah, and Linda Perry. Which she had worked with before. Yes, and Courtney had written several songs, including an anti-cocaine song titled Loser Dust during her time in rehab. And she told Billboard, quote, My hand-eye coordination was so bad after the drug use, I didn't even know chords anymore. It was like my fingers were frozen and I wasn't allowed to make noise in rehab. I never thought that I would work again, which, as a musician, like, the thought of that scares me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Which is why I'm trying to get out of the massage industry, because if it gets to a point where, like, I have to choose between, like, massaging for the rest of my life... Or drumming, like I'm gonna choose drumming. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then oh, we're getting to nobody's daughter. Okay. Yeah. By June of 2009, Enemy pud- published an article detailing Courtney's plan to reunite with Hole and release a new album, Nobody's Daughter. But in response to this, the former guitarist. Eric Erlinson stated in Spin magazine that contractually no reunion could take place without his involvement. Therefore, Nobody's Daughter would remain a solo record as opposed to a whole record. And Courtney ended up responding to his comments in a Twitter post <laughs> claiming, quote, he's out of his mind. Whole is my band, my name and my trademark. And then Nobody's Daughter was released worldwide as a whole album on April 27th of 2010 with a new lineup she recruited guitarist Mikko Larkin Sean Daly as bass and then Stu Fisher as drums and percussion she was actually having a relationship with Mikko really and she um when she was speaking to when she was when she started talking about this album and about the new lineup she would bring him up and say she said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, but she said something like, I have the new Kurt Cobain in my band. What? Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> and if I, if she never said that, then you could come to my house and punch me in the face. Courtney. But from what I remember, she did refer to him as kind of like someone who would be like Kurt Cobain, like the new Kurt Cobain. Oh, Wait, Hannah just but, pulled but he up. was like 20 years old when he, when he, when he played with her. He kind of looks like an untattooed version of the guy that... He looks like Tom Sandoval from Vanderpump Rules. No, okay, no, he looks... <laughs> so I would fact check that about what she said. If you could find anything about what Courtney said about... No, we're going to keep that. <laughs> You're like, fuck you, we're bitch. Do I use open your fat mouth? <laughs> we're not about facts here. No, just <laughs> um, and then, so... He kind of looks like this guy, too. Yeah. Was it? He looks like both of like these both guys. Like both of them. Yeah, Dorothy, yeah. We're looking at pictures of both of Amy Winehouse's expos. And Heroin chic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know what? Heroin if you chic, have a type, absolutely. you have a type. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the heart wants what the heart wants. Yep. <laughs> um, um, okay, where did we leave off? All right. Um, the first si- so the first single off of Nobody's Daughter was Skinny Little Bitch. Um, it was released to promote the album in March of 2010, and the album got mixed reviews. 
Uh, Rolling Stone gave the album three out of five, saying Love worked hard on these songs instead of just babbling a bunch of druggy bullshit and assuming people would buy it <laughs> the way she did in her 2004 flop, America's Sweetheart. Not true. I disagree. <laughs> uh, Fuck that guy, whoever said that. We have it's a, a music... Uh, scholar? Scholar. We have, we have a literal music... <laughs> a PhD in music. I'll take music scholar. <laughs> Professional musician. Um, Slant Mag- Magazine also gave the album three out of five, which, you know... So can I say something about the album? Yeah. yeah. So... In 2008 or 2009, mm-hmm. Courtney would correspond with her fans on the site, and she actually made the out her the demos available to the fans. So she released about 15 songs that were demos and let the fans listen. And she said, "This is the album How Dirty Girls Get Clean," mm-hmm. and it was a very stripped down, almost like a acu- half acoustic, yeah. half. Um, rock album that was great mm-hmm. i loved it there was a song called pacific coast highway mm-hmm. that was amazing is it like um, malibu part two <laughs> kind of yeah I love kind that song, of malibu. so it was a beautiful album because of how lo-fi that was yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. um she wrote those songs in rehab yeah and then okay. released this album and i thought wow 15 songs they're all great i'm so happy for her those demos go into they they get Nobody's redone. Better. They get redone, obviously, in the studio. And with, they're all with, polished. They're polished, and it changed the entire sound of all the the songs. I'm sure more pop. It just changed the sound. Yeah. There were no longer bedroom demos. Which, she had almost like a Daniel Johnston feel. Yeah. When I when I would hear those those dem, early demos of How Dirty Girl Get Clean, um, it was a very like singer songwriter artist in the bedroom sound, mm-hmm. and I thought. If they released this album the way it was, it would have been a classic. Yeah, but of course not. Um, and they didn't. So, so they made this big production of an album, and they they had a shitty cover. Um, of, <laughs> oh, wow. I think oh, really? I think it was Marie Antoinette or something on the cover oh, with her head oh. with no head, which is which is kind Wait, of nobody's daughter or her solo. Nobody's daughter. Yeah, yeah, We're no, talking yeah. About nobody's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's a whole album, and it sucks because every. Um, Every every album from Hole, every cover, Courtney designed, right? And she didn't design this one. She probably did, but it was very thrown together. That mm-hmm. imagery was actually used already for a compilation that Hole did in '96 called oh. "My Body, the Hand Grenade." That's kind of whack. That's lazy. They so used, they like exactly, recycled it. They recycled it. So that cover wasn't the cover of "My Body, the Hand Grenade," but it was the insert of the album. Okay. Uh. Yes. So then they used that for the cover of this and I thought what a cheap shot there's so yeah. many photos that Courtney could have chosen and there was an original Nobody's Daughter cover you can actually find it online Yeah, um, that I thought was genius and they didn't use it so that kind of sucks because it feels like that's kind of like a glimpse into what has been going on in her head mm-hmm. for the past 15 years and for people to pan it probably is super painful for her this is the closest i've ever gotten to putting something creative out to people so i can't really comment on it but you guys go ahead (laughs) i don't know i mean when you're creative it does it does suck and it it has to do a lot with who she was or who Mm -hmm. she is should i say she's not dead she's here but (laughs) what i'm saying is 
what the thing is, people judge her on her past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this al- yeah. any albums released after Celebrity Skin, they don't give a fuck. People are panning them because they they think she's done. Yeah. Right. Or she shouldn't make music, or she should not do anything, or not be. But but see, Cordy does whatever she wants. Yeah. You know, um, after unapologetically. She, yes, and after this album, she did say in an interview that uh, something along the lines of, "This is going to be my last album for a long." Time. Nobody's wow. daughter. Yeah. Wow. Is what she said. And um, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but she did have only a few. I think uh, maybe she's released two singles since this as solo singles. Mm. I think we cover them in the okay. the research. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So she, she, has been laying, she has been laying low. And she does she probably does feel like these critics are not on her side. So I why, don't think they are. And you know what? At the end of the day, this the older I get, and now that we're making albums, uh, music music albums, mm-hmm. like with our bands, I think I would not give a shit, and I would not make music for a critic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or a yeah, magazine yeah. or yeah. a review. So I hope. I know she's been in this business for forty plus years, and I ho- really hope that that's not what's holding her back. I yeah. hope it's yeah. her own decision not to make music i think so because i think you do get to an age where you're not making it to pander to whoever might say that they think that this is good music you're just making music for the sake of music which even at a young age you're making music just to make music if you're making music if you're making anything creative you are making it because it's this innate feeling in you that you need to express regardless of who Likes it or not. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I really hope, like I said, I hope she does make more albums. And it's been now 12 years since Nobody's Daughter. But wow. I think she should release another album. I would love to, to hear, music. like, even what she's listening to, what she's into. Like, yeah. what issues are important to her? What is right. she thinking about? Like, you just, I would love to have a new album from her. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's timely, actually. Right. Yeah. Very, yeah. Celebrity skin part two. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we get to her dropping the whole name and performing as a solo artist in late 2012, where she appeared in a, a spring 2013 <laughs> advertisement for Eve Saint Laurent alongside Kim Gordon and Ariel Pink, which Ariel Pink is a dumb fucking bitch. Who's that? Just some idiot. He's Trumper. He's a Trumper. What? He's a uh, singer songwriter. Yeah, in the LA he was, scene. He got like they like kind of. He got like low key canceled after appearing. Wasn't he at the like January sixth insurrection? <gasps> yeah. Oh. Or like he wasn't like a part of it, but like he was there. He was there. Oh shit. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was down with it. And I think he got. Didn't he go on Tucker Carlson? <laughs> Or something. Yeah. Like, he went on one of those, like, conservative yes. media outlets to, like, defend himself. Yes. Which is like, bro, if you're going to go on a conservative media outlet, you're like... You're doing too much. Yeah. Too and, then much. He, and then he posted a GoFundMe oh, because God. he needed to pay, pay bills. That's embarrassing. Because he was dropped by his label. That's right? embarrassing. Oh, Anyways. <laughs> so, Courtney had completed a solo tour... In the U.S. in mid 2013, which was supposedly going to be in promotion of an upcoming solo album, but 
It was ultimately dubbed a greatest hits tour and featured songs from her own solo and her own solo material and Hole's back catalog. And she ended up being subject of a second landmark libel lawsuit brought against her in January 2014 by her former attorney, Rhonda Holmes, who accused her of online defamation seeking $8 million in damages. And this was the first case of alleged Twitter-based libel in U.S. history to make it to trial. Wow, that's actually a big deal. It is a big deal. (laughs) And the jury ended up favoring Courtney Love. Okay. A bitch can say what she wants. Yeah, a a bitch can say what she fucking wants. But a subsequent defamation lawsuit was filed by a fashion designer in February 2014. Are you not going to try to pronounce that? I am not going to try to pronounce that. Everyone (laughs) can look that shit up. I'm not going (laughs) to look... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that name is a foot long. Yeah, exactly. Um, but because of this, she ended up being ordered to pay an extra $350,000 in compensation. And then in an interview with the BBC, Courtney said that she and a former whole guitarist, Eric Erlinson had reconciled and had been rehearsing new material together alongside with former bassist Melissa Offdoor-Marr and drummer Patty Schmall. That's Melissa Offdoor-Marr, Patty Schemmel. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Look, we don't need Google. We have Google right here. I know. Um, but she did not confirm a reunion of the band, like, officially. That was such a such a cock tease. It was a cock tease. Mm. Because we saw photos, we saw little clips of her on stage with the original, not the original members of the band, but most of the, the, the lineup. Like the, the, like, the iconic, like the last the, iconic lineup. The last lineup. iconic celebrity skin lineup. Yeah. And it didn't, nothing it didn't happen. Nothing and I don't happened. know if it's because of their schedules. I know Melissa Oftimar is a mother now. I don't know what that's like. Well, so, <laughs> you know, so she probably has other priorities. Like, she probably has like other priorities. Well, no, yeah, and then so and first, they have to eat. Yeah, <laughs> you have to feed them and change them at least once a day. Is what I'm told. <laughs> at least bare mins, bare mins, and then um, further on that whole like not reunion but reunion. On May 1st of 2014, in an interview with Pitchfork, Courtney commented further on that, like, quote-unquote reunion, saying, I'm not going to commit to it happening because we want an element of surprise. There's a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed. Which means probably contracts and money. Yeah. No, and, and yeah. having people to relocate. Because mm-hmm. you know, Melissa Oftenmar is probably in Paris. And Petty Schemmel's in L.A. Eric Erson's probably in New York. Who knows? Yeah. But it, They're all over the place. It takes a lot of money to have someone that established four of those people to come together weekly or whatever it is to do that. So. Well, yeah. At that age, I mean, coming from a, coming from a professional musician perspective... <laughs> No, it really does get to a point, or at least I could imagine that it does get to a point that, oh, you want us to come back together when I have, like, a whole life settled? Yep. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> there's gotta be con- there's, there has to be a management team yeah. behind that mm-hmm. uh, reunion. Courtney on her own 
is not going to be able to manage a reunion, no. especially yeah. no. a whole reunion. No, absolutely not. Yeah, so then following this is where she started getting back into movies and TV. She was cast in a lot of supporting parts throughout 2014, including Sons of Anarchy, Revenge, and the series Empire. And I think you... No, you didn't talk about this. Uh, The track Walk Out On Me, featuring Courtney Love was included on the Empire original soundtrack from season one, which debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) She actually did a really great job as a character on Empire. Um, I think that's one of some of her best acting since Trapped. (laughs) But she really is great in that show, and she's playing to her strengths. She's playing a diva-like, big mouth soul singer white soul singer she's not really looked at as a rock singer in um empire her character is meant to be a soul singer interesting um who is kind of um had some ups and downs and who's trying to have a comeback so that's what the character i don't i can't remember the name of the character right now but it's a really funny L. Dallas. <laughs> Very funny little name. L. Woods. So I'm really happy. I'm happy they gave her a role like that because she yeah. should play to her strengths. Yeah. yeah. She should be a she should be a villain with a gun. I don't I don't know. She should be like, you know, Rapunzel and a remake or something. I don't know. But her playing a, a down and out singer, I'll believe it. Yeah. I, it. I mean yeah. that's literally her. So. And then it's called a spade a spade. <laughs> in January of 2015, she starred in New York, uh, New York City stage production Kansas City Choir Boy, which is a pop opera conceived a pop opera. Oh wow, I like that. A pop opera. A pop opera. Um, and then later that year, the show toured with performances in Boston and in LA. And in April of 2015, a journalist, Anthony Baza, sued Courtney, alleging a contractual violation regarding his co-writing of her memoir. And then Courtney ended up performing as the opening act for Lana Del Rey on her Endless Love Tour for 8 West Coast show. Opening act? I know, which... that. That's that's rough. That's rough. No, it's not rough. She's opening for Lana Ray, like the biggest singer yeah. at the time. And for Lana to choose her, I, okay, yeah, that's I great. guess, yeah, I guess, okay. What an honor. Yeah, and then let's see. She also debuted the single "Miss Narcissist," which was released on Waves's independent album or independent label Ghost Ramp. Which fuck Waves. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> She was also cast in a supporting role in a James Franco film called what? The Long Home, based on the novel by William Gay, which was her first film role in over 10 years, but as of this year, it still remains unreleased. And then, wow. in January of 2016, she released a clothing line in collaboration with Sophia Amoruso called Love Courtney, featuring 18 pieces reflecting her personal style. And in November of 2016, she began filming a pilot for A Midsummer's Nightmare, a Shakespeare anthology series adapted for Lifetime. 
She also starred as Kitty Menendez in Menendez Blood Brothers, a biopic television film based on the lives of Lyle and Eric Menendez, which premiered on Lifetime in June of 2017. Which, she was actually good in that. She was actually very believable as You'll have to talk to my mom about that. (laughs) (laughs) She was very believable as Kitty, um, the mother. And I like, again, she's playing to her strengths. Courtney Love is an older mother. Mm -hmm. Um, Kitty was in her 50s. Mm -hmm. I I think 53, if I'm not mistaken, when she passed. And Courtney is around that age and uh, played it great. I would love to watch that, actually. Yeah, it's actually very, very good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 And then (laughs) in October of 2017, after... The whole hoopla surrounding Harvey Weinstein's cancellation. A 2005 video of Courtney warning young actresses about him went viral. 12 years before. Yeah. Which bitch was ahead of her time. She was. She is. But it's sad because if you think about it, she probably said it and nobody believed her. No, literally. Okay, so it says in the footage, while on the red carpet for for the Comedy Central roast of Pam... Pam yep. and yep, that's uh, a great place to drop that. Right, she was <laughs> she was asked by <laughs> Natasha Leggero if that's she had right. any advice for young for a young girl moving to Hollywood, and Courtney said, "If Harvey Weinstein invites you to a private party in the Four Seasons, don't go." She later tweeted, "Although I wasn't one of his victims, I was eternally banned from CAA, which is Creative Artists Agency, for speaking out." Oh, what? Which, not surprised. I'm pretty sure she was invited to a hotel room. Once. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. By him. If she knows that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he was like, come on over. And she probably saw him like hanging upside down naked doing poppers or something. And like, walk back out. <laughs> you know, because she's like, fuck you. I don't need you. And um, she's not these other ladies who like would do that. Right. Like, right. She has her like names. own means of. Means of things because she's talented and she's a poet, yeah, and she's a rock star and she's just ultimately a badass and she doesn't need some dirty old man no to help her career. Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. you have to admire that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. In December of 2018, she was awarded a restraining order against Sam Lufty, who had acted. Is this? The Sam Lefty? Yeah, who else would it be? Oh my god. The Britney Spears yeah. Sam Lefty. I don't know who that is. Yeah. <gasps> oh He's a manager. God. He's a fake manager. Oh. He had acted as her manager for the previous six years, and wow. she got the restraining order alleging verbal abuse and harassment. And Courtney wow. and her daughter and her sister were awarded restraining orders against Sam Lefty. What a fucking loser. And then then in January of 2019, an L.A. judge extended the three-year order to five years, citing Lefty's tendency to, quote, prey upon young people, or prey upon people in general, but I'm sure primarily young people. Wait, what year was this? This was 2018? Yeah, 2018. Wow. Okay, and I wonder, I'm trying to Google, when was he in Britney Spears' life? Probably right before that. Okay, so Britney Spears also had a restraining order that a judge signed in 2019. So, yeah, probably before that. Oh, 
Oh, he's just like a little parasite. <laughs> wow. As most of them are. But like, yeah, I heard that like wow. he would drug Britney Spears, like crush drugs and like put it in her food and just have her like all out of it oh, all day. And I think her mom, Britney Spears' mom, said that he would do fucked up shit. Like he would hide her little dog from her. That's fucked up. And Britney, <laughs> Britney would be like, where's my dog? Where's my dog? Where's my dog? And then he would be the hero and he'd be like, oh my God, I found it. Because he, he hit it. So he would be the one who hit it and also be the hero in this situation. So it was... Yikes. Mm. Big yikes. Yikes. Very. Mm. All right. Okay. And then... Back on track. August... On August 18th, 2019, Courtney performed a solo set at the Yolo Dia Festival in LA, which also featured performances by Cat Power and Licky Lee, which I didn't even hear about this festival. I know! Until oh, doing this yeah. research, was it was it called Yola? Yeah. Yola de Dia. Yeah, it was it was here. Yeah, yeah. And Megan The Stallion playing, which what? makes sense because that was around the time that she like oh started. Like, and and, and we, what funny story? Wow. Funny story. Courtney Love was front row to Megan Stallion and said, "I love that that Megan Stallion was the best performer that she's ever seen." Because she <laughs> real sees real, yeah. real sees real, real eyes, real eyes, real eyes. <laughs> And then on September 9th of that year, she, Courtney ended up getting press attention when she publicly criticized Joss Sackler, an heiress to the Sackler family of, of the OxyContin fortune, after she was allegedly offered $100,000 to oh attend her fashion show during New York Fashion Week. Oh and in the same statement, Courtney indicated that she had relapsed into opioid addiction in 2018 saying that she had recently celebrated a year of sobriety, so that was just kind of like a slap yeah. in the face to wow. her. That is a lot of money, though. It is. It, it is, is but also... I, but it's not Kurt Cobain money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I also yeah. give it to her to say, like, this yeah, shit like fucks have, me up, like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Like, having some morals and principles. Yeah. You know? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is she? Is that a drag queen? <laughs> and then... In October of 2019, <laughs> Courtney relocated from L.A. to London. Yeah. And then uh, in November of 2019, Courtney recorded the song Mother, which was written and produced by Lawrence Rotham as a part of the soundtrack for the horror film The Turning, which came out in 2020, which I have never heard of. Yeah, yeah me either. But I heard that this is based on zero research, that Courtney Love lives like in a... English manor, like in the English countryside, oh, or is she living in like London? I think it's London. Okay, okay. I would. Fact I check heard. I'm, I am fact checking myself right now. Courtney Love, English. Yeah, I heard somebody say she was like living in the countryside, but maybe she just goes to the countryside. <laughs> Okay. Courtney Love horse riding in Wales. Okay. That's different. Mm. Okay. I lied. 
I think she just visits the countryside Anyways. once in a while. <laughs> and <laughs> and but she but she went there and she never she hasn't come in back. Right? I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I heard as well. Well, they love her over there. Yeah. Um, we talk about in the second episode that she was kind of seen as like, like a copy of a lot of the riot girls and stuff like in the United States, like when she first came out, but mm-hmm. when her and whole went to London, she was seen as this like original, like a complete uh, original. And like, cause, cause, the, cause they were the most high profile band, at least female fronted band yeah. of that time. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going to fly out. I don't know, like the butchies to the UK. Uh, maybe uh, they did. Maybe they did play. I don't know their story, but they, that they were <clears throat> a lot of those, uh, uh, what do you call it? U.S. riot girl bands that yeah. had two, three singles or an album out off mm-hmm. of a little label were not going to no. the U.K. on no. huge okay. tours, no. playing festivals. Not Maybe some, but not yeah. all. But definitely Courtney was the bigger, you know, monster mm-hmm. of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fame-wise. She became like a kind of like a celebrity magazine, like darling, yeah. too. Yeah. Her and Madonna and everything and all that, oh, yeah. like, back and forth. Definitely so. mainstream entertainment. Yes, yeah. yes, getting her name in there, yeah. becoming a household yeah, name. So exactly. it's interesting that she goes back there because I feel like she feels like she's very, like, accepted and yeah. welcome in the UK. So, And then um, in January of oh. 2020, she received an Icon Award at the NME Awards with Enemy describing her as, quote, one of the most influential singers in alternative culture of the last 30 years. And the following month, she confirmed she was writing a new record, which she describes as, quote, really sad. I'm writing in minor chords, and that appeals to my sadness. Mm-hmm. And then this is the last that we have of her. In March of 2021, Courtney said she had been hospitalized with acute anemia in August of 2020, which had nearly killed her and reduced her weight to 97 pounds. Wow. Oh my god. But She was ballerina thin. <laughs> oh but god. that she made a full recovery. Good for her. Wow. But I will, I mean, if that's the last you have of her now, I will say this. She does post a lot to social media. She does. Mm-hmm. So you could definitely keep up with Courtney and her interests mm-hmm. through her Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I've no, I follow her, obviously, and it's good to see her posting and it's good yeah. to see that she's doing okay. And yeah. she has a, a little dog that she just worships Aww. and she loves um, named Belle. Can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> so I think our good old girl's doing good. She's Yeah, it seems like she's doing July, okay. July of 2022. Yeah. Let's hope that album happens. Yeah. And at this point, Drew, we kind of want to ask you just like, your overall thoughts of Courtney or just anything you want to add to what you heard from the first episode or, you know, whatever. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, I just, I, I think Courtney is an amazing artist, songwriter. Um, she's a poet. She's uh, indestructible. She's kind of the rock blueprint, at least for me. You know, I remember mm-hmm. being... Eight years old, literally, and and wanting to be her, and and listening to her music, and wanting so bad to be in a rock band. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Hole was the first ever album I owned. Mm-hmm. Um, Live Through This was the first album I owned. Wow. Uh, I mean, sorry, sorry. The, the second album I ever owned was Live Through This Hole. The first album I ever purchased or received was In Vogue Funky Divas. Bitch. And Dang. I was obsessed with it. And oh I've kind God. of, I've kind of lived my life <laughs> in between those two albums. Okay. Um, because I still love In Vogue, mm-hmm. and I still yeah. am inspired by their divaness and their looks and their coordinated dance mm-hmm. and their just soulful voices and their beauty. And then I also still love Hole, which mm-hmm. is hard rock, grunge, yeah. um, grittiness, um, destruction, mm-hmm. um, screaming. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've kind of oh, I've just kind of still brought that into my music now oh absolutely those two things Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah she is a hero of mine and it's it's a controversial answer um because people do feel some type of way about her and want to blame her for things and want to judge her and want to shame her but then again all women who are in this in, in the industry I was going to say in our industry, like if, like if I'm rich and famous, no, in any kind of woman from say any kind of woman who, in any industry, in any industry, but, but let's talk about, we're talking about music yeah. here and, and entertainment, any women in entertainment business, they're, and then they're, they're an individual. They're going to be like, you know, they're under a microscope, yeah. they're under a microscope and they're going to be ridiculed and everything. You know, mm-hmm. Courtney Love is right there, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know, well, she was right well, for she, the pick. Yeah. And she wasn't easily pushed around. She I was think. not. And she's tough and yeah. she's strong. And mm-hmm. I and I think you kind of have to be tough and strong um, to go through all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's women like um, Anna Nicole Smith, Amy Winehouse, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Brittany Murphy, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. had these really hard Brittany lives, Murphy. and who who were, you know, who were always in the press, yeah, and who were their the only things that mattered to the press were their weight. I was gonna yeah. say um, what they would, were wearing, what they were wearing, and who they were sleeping with. Exactly, yeah. and if mm-hmm. it didn't fit their narrative or what they wanted to talk about, it was slander. Yeah, yes. you know, and and these women didn't survive it, but Courtney did, mm-hmm. and yeah. Brittany. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but Courtney is one of those survivors. She really she is. is. Yeah. And I think I, I kind of admire that the most. Yeah, that absolutely. she's been able to go through this every decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind still of like reinvent herself. Reinvent herself yeah. and stick to her guns. Mm-hmm. Sticking mm-hmm. to her, like her punk ethos, essentially. She's, not, exactly, try- she's yeah. not trying to be anybody else but herself. Yeah. And she's not going to kiss your ass. No, and not at all. obviously, we don't know her personally, mm-hmm. and I've never met her. I have friends who have met her. <gasps> Shut up. And things like that, and, <laughs> and gone to her shows. But I haven't. But Yeah. But, Let's speak it into existence. But knowing, <laughs> but following her career, mm-hmm. I can see and I can hear that strength. Yes. Ab- oh, for right? sure. So yeah. um, you can see it in her eyes. You when can she's see it, like yeah. in interviews and stuff yeah, like that. She's, she's just a survivor. She's ultimately. so sure of herself, and like mm-hmm. you said, a survivor. And I think when you go through shit like that, and you know, like the capacity of your strength and what you yeah. can get through yeah. by yourself, like as a single mom, yeah. all this shit. Like, and and it's also another sad part of her story is that the music is the last thing that's talked about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's, and she that's is. what Margaret Tr- Cho said yeah. in that um, yeah. 
that blog that she wrote. It's yeah. like we talk about everything first. But her artistry. And then at the end, it's like, you know, kind of a side comment. Like, yeah, I guess she's talented. But it's like, no. Why isn't that brought to the forefront? Yeah. Like, when we're defending these, like, men who do horrible things. Yeah. yeah. It's always like, well, like, but their music and, like, their craft and all this no, stuff. No, Courtney, like, um, uh, since, I'm, uh, since I am a, such a big fan of her music, um, some of the songs she wrote are classics. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. stands shoulder to shoulder yeah. with Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, Eddie Vedder, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, all those songwriters from that era, from the 90s, like, she is standing shoulder to shoulder to them. Well, and- okay. So going to that standing shoulder to shoulder with Kurt, a lot of people criticized live through this because they said that it's alleged that Kurt wrote a lot yeah, of that, songs. And that's I, not true. Yeah, no, well, no. it's just another thing to to bring Courtney down. Yeah. Well, look, it's they said the same thing about Celebrity Skin. Yeah. They yeah. said Billy Corgan wrote Celebrity Skin. Well, no, mm. he, he co-wrote. He co-wrote a few songs. A few songs. But they're but, saying like, that why he... Why don't people ever say, right. like, what Courtney influenced in Kurt's music? Exactly. Like, well, she, there's so many, like, just little mentions yeah. about, like, Courtney and, mm-hmm. like, their love story and stuff and, like, a lot of his writing mm-hmm. and people never say, like... Yeah. They think it's a one-way street when it's, like, yeah. it's a two-way street. Right. Like, well, you know? One perfect example is, in Live Through This, she wrote a song called Plump. Mm-hmm. Love that song. Which is about motherhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... You know, milk makes me sick. Yeah, and things like that. These themes that only a woman with a child like Courtney mm-hmm. was was able to put to to music. You know, mm-hmm. these are her lyrics. This is her life. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and no one can take that. No one can do that but her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you hear all her other stuff, her input before Lift Through This, there's some really great songs there too from Pretty Inside. I mean, where was Kurt there? Kurt didn't yeah. write any yeah. of that. Yeah. You have songs like Baby Doll, mm-hmm. Garbage Man, that are Good Sister, Bad Sister, which are amazing. And I know you guys talked about the early singles. Even those early singles yeah. are pretty amazing, like Dick Nell and yeah. Tard Girl. They're totally original. I know you can't I'm say you can't say the R word. You can't say the R oh word. Oh my god! I said it. I you can't say the it. R word. So R girl. I should say R, R girl. girl. But um. <laughs> well, no. Going back to the whole live through this thing. Even if that is or isn't true, the point that I was going to try to make is that you have two very creative people coexisting with each other. It's gonna happen where you're gonna consult with whoever you're dating like, of course yeah, it's gonna be they're, mutually they're, yeah i remember an interview where they said courtney when you and kurt were in bed at night mm-hmm. not sleeping and not making love mm-hmm. what did Hello you guys talk. talk about yeah and she said well bid the uh our business and yeah. our business is music yeah of yeah. course yeah so how's i mean Hello. You're not going to not yeah, talk about exactly. like your creative process. Of and of course, yeah. you're not going to not take your significant other's input into your creative process. Right. Well, they were in a unique situation where they were in the same music business mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they knew a lot of the same people and the same yeah. crowds. And like, and they were just, they were all kind of rising at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Courtney, um, Courtney held her own at that time. Yeah. She was, totally. um, all through the 1980s she was mm-hmm. forming like you guys covered it she was forming bands mm-hmm. writing songs she was all traveling over the place. she was, all she was all over the place. a 20 year old doing this she was 20 in 1984 mm-hmm. but she was already cutting demos by that time yeah so 
there was no Kurt a there. Creative artiste. Yes, and Kurt was the, not there. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. So. That's what makes me so funny. Which I think, if anything, they had this very beautiful symbiotic relationship in the sense that they kind of encouraged each other. Yeah, yeah they supported. And, yeah. and then that yeah. uh, people also forget that their relationship was so brief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only about three two, years, yeah, right? I was going to say, two, they were married years. for two. And they were dating each other for about three yeah. years, right? Yeah. Four years. Mm-hmm. That's very short. I mean, I feel like I've known you for eight years now. Well, mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Me, what, like In 2015? 20, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh yeah. My so God. can you imagine... How long? Do you, how how do you know someone in and out in four years? You know you don't. And and, and she that's how she was given. You yeah. Know? She even said in interviews had they had she been given more time with him, their plan was to have more children. That's and you know I have a friend. I'm a, I have a friend. I'm gonna shout out my friend Priscilla, who's my bestie and my drag mom. <laughs> I I will say this. She always has a theory that if Kurt Cobain lived today, mm-hmm. he would be an artist. Oh, absolutely. And he would not make music. And he yeah. would no. and, But she, you know I what she did that. say? She said he would be dating 23 year olds. Ooh. Oh my god, that's a hot take. That's yeah. a hot take. Because <laughs> he would be a, he would be a man over 50 right now. That's true. And she says that she could envision him paint, doing murals or working yeah. with different medias yeah. and dating a 23-year-old model. Oh, my God. I can see it. Yeah. Like him stealing Hailey Bieber away from justice. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, I mean that's I an interesting... I mean, I would cast a wider net than that. I, would ho- I mean, I would hope so, too. <laughs> but that's an interesting thought, like the aging rock star and like him becoming essentially like what no it's true i i do agree with that you know i feel like at some point yeah being old being irrelevant being lame yeah you know seeing your like shirts being sold at kohl's um, courtney they did tell courtney courtney said in an interview they asked her was kurt cobain like marilyn monroe did he have qualities of Marilyn Monroe? Mm. And she got upset and said, "No, he was, a, he was a man's man, and he was a butt man, and he loved my ass the most." <laughs> <laughs> and and I said, I feel like she said that to kind of break that image of yeah. him being this Marilyn Monroe yeah, candle in the wind, candle in the wind. Right, she says right. he was not. He yeah. was a man's man. Yeah. Which is kind of weird that she would say because I heard the opposite of him in high school being more like identifying more with like the gay kids in school right, and being yeah. more of a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she I- claims that in their marriage, he was a man's man and he enjoyed her butt. Wow. Okay. And he even took that photo on the cover of her diaries. Oh, my gosh. No way. Yeah. <laughs> which, is a, which is what you guys can't see right now, but. It's the cover of her, the diaries of Courtney Love. It's called Dirty Blonde. And it's a picture of her on her stomach. And her butt's kind of pushed into the air. Mm-hmm. Courtney claims that Kurt positioned her that way in order to take that photo. Because of his love of the rump. Mm. <laughs> he, yeah, he likes that big behind. Because he was gay? I'm just kidding. I'm every just kidding. behind. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kurt was like, every behind is a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the pose does feel like a man did it. Yeah. 
it's like interesting to hear that take because I feel like I had that same sort of like yeah. picture of Kurt Cobain in my mind being like yeah. a well, misfit growing well, up. A lot of and... people have debunked these tragic figures, like right. mm-hmm. Judy Garland. You know, they asked their her daughters, you know, Liza Minnelli or whatever, was your mother tragic and sad? Mm-hmm. They're like, no, she was great. She was yeah. so much fun to be with. Right. So people want this story so bad the Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. tragedy like someone strictly it. in the yeah. shadows someone yeah. that was gonna die young and who was suffering because well, everyone loves a tortured artist story yeah, yeah. it's such bullshit yeah. I do say that it is bullshit mm-hmm. because when you feel that you're best you're you know what I mean it's that's, that's what's what we look forward to so yeah if you're well, going, that's what anyone wants. <laughs> it, yeah, but if you're an artist per se, yeah. and you're, if I'm feeling great, I can sit down and write a song in ten minutes mm-hmm. and be like, I'm so proud of this fucking tragic song. But I feel great doing it. So if I'm in a bummer mm-hmm. and I feel like trash, I'm not gonna produce anything. Yeah. Okay. It's harder yeah. for me to produce. Actually, this mm-hmm. brings me sense. to a fun question: a Where do you find similar similarities between yourself and Courtney Love in terms of your artistry and like your songwriting process? Well, Courtney is very abstract okay. when it comes to her storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's very surreal almost. Yeah. yeah. Dreamlike. Her lyrics are very dreamlike. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like um, if you take a lot of the songs from Pretty on the Inside, mm-hmm. you don't know, like you said, you don't know where you're going in each song. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a bad dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a fever dream. A fever oh, dream. Oh, yeah. I love and that description. you don't know yeah. what she is so angry about or what she's screaming about. Mm-hmm. But you know that she means It's coming it. from a real place. It's coming yeah. from a real place. Yeah. And then you have, like, lived through this that does touch on things like motherhood. Mm-hmm. But it is, again, in that dream state, in the abstract state where it's anger, it's powerful, but it's in her own, like, her own vision of things. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. P-Girl gets the belt. Mm. I don't know what that means. No one mm. does. But it's such a great lyric to yeah. one of, one of, a great song from oh, so that's This. One of my favorite songs. What's it called? Uh, Softer Softest. Softer Softest. I Even that title, that I don't under, I don't know what she means. Yeah. And um, that's all in her, you know. Um, Celebrity Skin, that too gives you lyrics that you're like I don't know what she's necessarily trying to say but it's deep mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. it's brilliant yeah and it's poetic mm-hmm. um like so when it comes to your songwriting process like so mine's is a little different because I write from ex- personal experience yeah and I write what I know and and what I've been through okay so what inspires you to like write to begin with? Like, do you have to be in a certain mood to write a song, or is... well, the songs just come to me. <clears throat> okay. okay, you know, I like I told my band the other day. You know, we have a song called "Growing Pains," and it's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. And I wrote it literally at two stoplights. <laughs> like I was driving. Oh my god! And the song came to me, and I took out a pen real quickly, and I got to the stoplight. I wrote the, the first verse. Drove a little more, stopped <laughs> to another stoplight. You heard it here first. And I wrote the, the chorus. And by the time I got home, after a few more lines, like yeah. two more lines, I had the whole song. Oh Damn. But it came to me in that moment, and I had to write it down. Just out of nowhere, Out of though. nowhere. Just, you were just the, at a red light, and you were like, that's it. Yeah, I had to write oh it. Oh, my God. Um, and and it, it, was, it was done in 10 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. So I don't know That's how they come. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they come. But you know, if you could, if you give me an assignment, mm-hmm. for instance, we are my band just recorded a brand new album, and I needed like four new songs to complete it, which is twelve songs. And I said, I'm gonna write one. I'm gonna write a song called Mermaid on Drugs. <laughs> because I think that's a great title. Yeah. So I wrote yeah. it um it maybe a day or two. But you guys played that at the Pansy Division show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like and that and it's and it's it's very simple, but it's still signature me. It it's, was really good. It's mm-hmm. um one of the lyrics is I only fuck I only fuck you um for drugs <laughs> because fucking you is no longer fun. So that's that. you know, and it's true. <laughs> It's You're like true it's good because it's yeah. honest and yeah. it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's totally. like this the punk rock experience a lot of the time is like as dark and yeah. empty as that sounds sometimes. But it's still in, I'm still empowered. Yeah. 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 Because I still I'm gonna get mine no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You so yeah. are getting what you want. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So um Can yeah. I ask what is your sign? Your I'm sign? an Aquarius. <gasps> Yeah. We're both Aquarius. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, Twin I'm flames. better than him. I'm better than him because <laughs> I don't deny that. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm an early Aquarius. Oh, okay, so you're like a purist. Yes. A January Aquarius. I'm January 23. Oh. I'm a January 23. Okay. What are you? A, I'm a Libra. Aww. <laughs> Very maternal. You don't have to say that. Very maternal. <laughs> Very maternal. Uh, Very um. She just likes to see judgmental. Yeah, yeah. she likes true. to see both sides, all the sides. Yes, mm-hmm. and you that's welcome right. anyone. Yeah, that's probably sure. why you welcome me, a complete stranger, into your home. I could have <laughs> been a psychopath. <laughs> neurotic. I am a little neurotic. She could have murdered all of us by <laughs> now. Yeah, well, Drew is an Aquarius. Wait, do you know your moon sign? Yes. What is it? Um, moon is Scorpio. Mm. I was gonna. I, I was gonna say. I feel like you told me that, and it's yeah, Scorpio. Yeah, I love a Scorpio. Horny, What's your? Do you know your rising? Uh, my rising is a Virgo. Oh, crazy! That makes sense with crazy. the way that you approach Trap Girl because you're very like, this is how we're gonna do it. This is my yep. vision, yep. and we're doing it. Uh, That's yeah. perfect, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No guy. That. That's the Virgo on me. Okay. <laughs> And my sister is Vol- and my sister is Virgo. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm like, my sister drives me crazy, and I'm like, oh, if she drives me crazy, I'm like, oh, that's what I do. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that she does that I do. Well, me no. and her are very much alike. Me and my sister are very much alike. Well, it's such a thing that anytime you hate somebody, it's because they are exuding the qualities <laughs> of yourself that you hate. Yeah. Well, I don't hate my sister. I love her, but well, not that you hate, but just like yeah, you ooh, like you're, yeah, you're annoying. Yeah, you're yeah, driving me crazy. Yeah. yeah, and it's like oh, it's because I do that. Yeah, like this loud ass bitch, or at least me. I'm always like this loud ass bitch. What are yours? I'm Libra, Sun or Moon. I'm actually both. Oh. I'm Libra, Libra, and then my rising is Gemini. I'm all air. All air. All Soft. air. I know. Mother. Mother of the This earth. bitch, this helium balloon. What is I yours? Seriously. <laughs> what are yours? Uh, I'm an Aquarius, Moon and Leo, Aries rising. I'm chaotic. Gay boy. I'm chaotic. Wow. Aries rising? Yeah. That's a gay boy. Is that March? Late March? 
Uh, okay. Aries, Aries is well. I'm an Aries <laughs> rising, so it's just it doesn't matter I for my like birth that chart. Makes so yeah, much but what is the what is Aries that? is late March, early April. That's what Mitchell is, gay boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, gay boy. You're, it's very like, look at me, don't look at me. Yes. Look at me, yes. don't look at me. Yes. Yeah, and what is the other one? Uh, moon and Leo. Oh, oh my god. And Leo. I can see that from you. Well, okay, so the thing with Leo's, if it's a sun sign, it's like, look at me and don't look away. Like clockwork orange, like I'm prior eyes open yeah, yeah. and fucking look at me. Okay. But because since my moon is in Leo, the moon sign is where you feel comfortable. And Leo is at home in the sun sign, which is opposite of the moon. So I only feel comfortable expressing my moon sign in situations like this where I'm comfortable. The moon sign being Leo. Yes. So I'm only comfortable showing Scorpio in my moon. Yeah. Oh, no wonder I'm such a bitch at home. <laughs> so at home, I'm like, like that, huh? No, yeah, your moon sign, it, like anytime you're in a comfortable zone, that's where your moon sign shines. So, and then the other one is when? When you're with people? Or what'd you say? Uh, well, your sun sign is just how you are. Like, just naturally. Virgo. No, Aquarius. That's your... Oh, sun sign. Okay. Yeah. But your rising is it's how Scorpio. people would... Your rising is... It's Virgo. Yeah. Which is what... People see you as. Yes. That's like the mask that, like, <gasps> if someone were to just guess, that would probably be the sign that they would guess. And then the moon is... is when home. you're in your comfort zone. No wonder I'm a good lay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, try and sing, I'll try and sing twice. Oh my god. I like to bounce. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers all of us. Cheers to Courtney. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug for your band, Drew? Um, not Do you have really. any shows coming up? When is this podcast going to be released? In like two weeks. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 August. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can see Trap Girl August 28th at Alex's Bar for Happy Sundays in Long Beach, California. Ooh. It's fun. And we're premiering our brand new single that night. (laughs) What's it called? Joan of Arc. Ooh. Love that. And where can the people find you on Instagram? You can find me at Drew Trap Girl mm-hmm. um, for all your sexual needs. <laughs> um, and you can you can go to at Trap Girl Punk for the Muzak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. Yeah, we really it was appreciate it. I can't wait. Yeah, and I can't wait to come back. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So fun. I am really excited to have you back on the pod. Thank you. We'll see who you might be chopping up in the future. We're going to chop them up. You never know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Any parting words for the listeners, Drew? No. Just. um, Any advice for a sign off for me and Paul? We're looking for a signature sign off. I do have some advice. Okay, Mm -hmm. hit us. If it's not stiff, it's not worth a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here, folks. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And cheers to that. Cheers to that. Cheers. Thank you and good night. Good night. Hey.